Good afternoon. Welcome to the Only the Strong Survive podcast uh, by Recruit Strength. I'm Mike Stefano. I'm here with my co-host Dalton. What's up, guys? And today we're going to go over conditioning, but not necessarily just conditioning for like the power lifter, but conditioning in general. Uh, we've gotten a lot of comments and questions about how in the military, because Dalton's in the military, and in the fire service, I'm a firefighter, how we're able to kind of balance um, conditioning with powerlifting and gaining strength and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, Dalton, conditioning, what do you think? What, what is it? What is it to you? All right, so conditioning to me, when we talk about conditioning, it's like being able to uh, use your work capacity, complete whatever task you're doing. So we're talking about like, if your work capacity is for powerlifting, what's your conditioning for that? So how many sets can you complete at a given weight if you need to? Or if we're talking about conditioning for you know military running, can mm-hmm. you complete a mile and a half in the given amount of time that you need to? So so it's, it's goal-based. Yeah. It's, it's based on the goal. So I know you've heard it a million times. I've heard it a million times. And uh, the, the old comparison is always you know well we're gonna go do conditioning what are you doing it's cardio all right so what's the difference you know when we look at conditioning versus cardio you know in my opinion it's conditioning is our training cardio is that working out like you said if it's a goal specific if I have a goal in mind where it's you know I'm training for uh, powerlifting. My strip, my conditioning is gonna, you know, go down as we get closer to the meet and everything like that. As far as extra accessories and doing hit training and doing all these different things and running and everything like that, because that's it's goal oriented. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at working out, which is like the uh, the hated word by myself. <laughs> I freaking hate that. Oh, I'm gonna go work out. You mean you're gonna go train? No, no, no I'm gonna go work out. To me, working out is basically you're just putting your body through stress. Going and, through motions. Yeah, you're going through the motions. There's no goal yeah. in mind. We have to have that goal, whether it be conditioning or strength training or whatever else we do. So with that being said, would you consider, I mean, what, what, what do you think that the, the breakdown is between strength training and conditioning? Well, so, I mean, like I said, the, the conditioning aspect comes in, like increasing your work capacity, getting your heart rate up to where you can maintain your heart rate at that given heart rate for a longer period of time. Whereas like with powerlifting, we talked about a little bit before we started the podcast, it's like, you know, we spike our heart rate in a power in powerlifting with one set, maybe like of six reps, and then we come back down, we rest, and that's it. So it's like we're only doing what, fifteen, twenty, maybe thirty seconds during a set. Especially yeah. if you're doing like a double or a triple. It's like it's not that long. Right. Right. So I mean, you're looking at maybe a minute and a half, even if we were doing like an accessory lift or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You're doing a set of 10 or 15 or even 20. You're still only looking at about a minute and a half to two minutes of actual work. Exactly. So five minutes of rest. So would you say strength training is still a form of conditioning? Two degree. You're, you're conditioning your body, yeah, right? exactly. Okay. Two degree. All right. So when we start talking about building up, we, we've already discussed in the past some of our, our um, programming techniques and everything as far as... You know, how to go strength training, the, the different uh, undulated periodization, um, you know, doing the, uh, the conjugate method, all these different methods that we have for strength training. But when we start talking about conditioning from a cardiovascular aspect or building up endurance rather than just strength, but building endurance, what, what kind of, what's your go-to? 
Honestly, it just depends. I mean, it really depends on the athlete. If you're training someone that's just like gym pop, just at that point, like, do they re- need do they need to run a mile or right. anything like that? I mean, you can just shorten your rest periods between sets. So, like, it's true. It's take true. a five by five and just you know start at three minutes, two and a half, two, one and a half, just go from there. But I mean, if we're talking specifically, you know, in my line of work for the military, it's like you're you have your set goals for your conditioning that are set forward by somebody else for you. So, I mean, you have to go and meet those set goals. Yeah, you guys have your minimum, your, exactly. your, your fitness test and everything every year. Yeah, exactly. So for somebody who's in the military, specifically the Air Force, like I am, it's like, okay, cool. I know you need to run a mile or a mile and a half, not a mile. You need to do a certain amount of push-ups and you need to do, unfortunately, a certain amount of sit-ups. Mm-hmm. So your condition is probably going to be geared towards that longer endurance cardiovascularly. Now, you know, you're a coach as well as I am. For your athletes, do you program them conditioning work? It depends. On? So, it depends on what phase of training we're in and also, like, what are their goals? Like, if they just want to be healthier, like they are a gen pop, then mm-hmm. it's maybe we, we, maybe we will if they want it. But if not, then I'm kind of, I'm going to let you do what you want at that point. Yeah, like, see, I do something similar, you know, based on, like you said, their goals. If they have a goal of... You know, I'm looking to increase endurance. I'm looking, mm-hmm. the big one's fat loss. Oh, I'm looking yeah. to do fat loss. I'm trying to lose weight or trying to lose fat rather. And it, it's okay, cool. I get it. You know, the biggest factor in losing fat and losing any type of fat or losing weight or anything like that is always your diet regardless. But I'll still throw in some conditioning as well in there because I know that it almost, it's almost appeasing the athlete. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it because... You know, we look at weight training and we see the amount of calories that are burned from weight training versus the amount of calories that are done with, you know, a, a brief cardio session. So if we look at the cardio session as like steady state cardio, that's garbage. I don't tell anybody to do that at all. Unless you're trying to build actual running endurance or you're like looking to run races. Exactly. I'm not touching steady state cardio. We're going to do hit training all day long, high interval or high intensity interval training, right? So... <clears throat> With that said, my powerlifting athletes that I that I which is most of my athletes are powerlifter athletes, I let them kind of do their own thing, but I give them some parameters to work mm-hmm. around. Like I'm like, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you your program. It's gonna be four or five days uh, a week of weight training, and then your off days you can do some high intensity interval training, but stick to under thirty minutes. And you know, as yeah. we move along in that uh, programming, depending on when they're their competitions are that kind of disappears so it's like hey guess what you're you're six or ten weeks out from a meet now nah, we're not doing any of that high intensity interval stuff anymore we need to keep all of our calories and all of our focus on strength training because we're coming at the peaking time yeah and the worst thing god the worst thing that happens is you get a guy that's out there doing sprints and twist his ankle or something coming up to a meet and you're like dude what are you doing that man? Me. <laughs> yeah yeah or uh what was his name romeo <laughs> break, his, break foot. his foot playing softball like come on man what are you you're killing me you know <laughs> i can't talk i ruptured a tendon playing ultimate frisbee so. <laughs> so there you go ultimate frisbee for me what are you doing yeah you know exactly. but it comes down to the goals and everything so to branch off of what you were saying there because I kind of like I like this where it's going because I know we were talked about talking about we talked about talking about talked about um, our careers and everything and, and being in the public safety and in the military and how it comes to that balance. So when you're programming because you program yourself, when you're programming yourself, do you select meets based around 
your physical fitness test? Yes and no. It really depends on like what meat it is. If it's a meat like I've really been wanting to do, then I will just choose the meat. It's like cool. I know I have to do this. I had like every almost every single meat I've done, I've had to do physical fitness through it. So it's kind of one of those like. Now, how often is your physical fitness testing? Is it annual? It is annual, but it also depends on how much like mandatory PT we have to do. So. You know, we've got squadron and flight level. So a lot of times okay. it's like you're Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're doing squadron or flight PT. So on top of just the test, you also have to have mandatory PT that's that's dictated by yes. the military. Yeah. Says, so and that's, but that's also shop specific. Okay. So like in my last shop, it was very like, you know, you make an 80% or above, like, you know, you're good, whatever. Do what you want. But and like this shop I'm in now, it's like cool as long as you pass the test i don't care see i like that you know kind of make some some self-accountability hey exactly this is the test you know it's going to be on it you've got a year to prepare for it yep why didn't you prepare for it you know yeah, yeah. and most people they can take two months out of the year to prepare for right. it. they're fine they don't need to be spoon-fed every single every single day yeah hopefully <laughs> i mean god we trust them with guns and you know we trust them with multi- billion dollar aircraft and i wouldn't trust some of them with guns but that's okay yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, I try to keep it to where I'm competing two times a year. Mm -hmm. That's generally what I like. And one of them I will try to do at the beginning of the year or somewhere around there. And then probably towards the later half of the year for the other one. Right. Keep a good six month window or break in between. Yeah, usually about. And that's a, that's a good idea for every lifter, regardless of how how new or how seasoned you are is, you know, two, two competitions a year is basically the max. Otherwise all you're doing is just testing out over and over again. And, and you're not really giving yourself the time to build up any strength, to work mm -hmm. on your form, to try to, to try to recover and rebuild. It's just one after another, after another. And usually you see their weights starting to go down, down, down because they're not having that time to recover. Yeah. So <clears throat> one of the things we're talking about with, uh, with the hit training there, you were saying about, you know, spiking your heart rate and everything. Would you consider powerlifting to be high intensity interval training? In a very low aspect of it, yeah. Okay. What do you mean a very low aspect? What do you mean? Because the high intensity training, what we're trying to do is we're trying to up our heart rate, yeah, but mm -hmm. we're also keeping a shorter rest period. So like you were talking about sprints earlier, it's like, cool, we would probably do 30 yard sprints mm -hmm. with control times in between 30, 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah. So whereas for powerlifting... We're not trying to necessarily increase that work capacity uh, cardiovascular-wise, but strength-wise through, through our CNS. So we need that extra time to recover right. between sets. Yeah, which, you know, we have, our, we have to have our Instagram time. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, like you said, we're not trying to increase our, our work capacity necessarily and the amount of lifts that we can do in a certain amount of time. We're trying to increase the amount of, or increase the amount of weight that we're trying to do in a single lift. Yeah. And don't so, get me wrong. You can do like density training and whatnot. And just mm -hmm. like we were talking about earlier, the five by five, decreasing the amount of time in between sets and just increasing the density within a given amount of time. You can still do that. Which is still growth. I mean, yeah, exactly. It, it may not be directly increasing the weight amount that you're lifting, but it's definitely growth in the work capacity and the, uh, the strength, the muscle endurance, the muscular endurance that you mm -hmm. have. It's a great way for, you know, people who are just getting into training. They don't have that very, you know, 
preset cardiovascular health or whatever. So right, yeah. I don't have it now, but so <laughs> so moving on into our uh, type of condition that we do. What do you suggest for the power lifter for conditioning wise? I know we had talked a little bit about you know how we try to we kind of change things based on the uh, the season. Mm-hmm. for lack of better terms that we're in whether we're peaking whether we're strength phase a hypertrophy volume phase etc cetera, etc cetera. so what what do you do what do you suggest for your guys your guys and girls i like hill sprints mm-hmm. that's just me personally though like i just like them um it just honestly it just depends though if you're someone who's like really prone to uh being really tight i wouldn't suggest doing hill sprints like right off the bat or something i'd probably work up to it maybe doing like a bike or a row and go from there. What was time wise? What are you looking at for time wise? Like the length of the training. In the very beginning, not very long. Yeah. Ten minutes. So kind of just growing it from there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There. Just like we do with uh, our blocks and stuff, we we start low in the beginning and leave room to progress through it. Mm-hmm. So you know, you start low, maybe five ten minutes. You know, just depending on what your actual like cardiovascular level is, and then increase from there. Now what? What phase of the training are you doing this in? This would probably be after the meet, maybe more in a uh, like GPP style phase or off season. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do the same thing. I like the same thing. I like to have have conditioning going on during the off season, basically, and then when we move into like a strength phase, it kind of trickles away, and then we move into a peaking phase or anything, it's gone. Like I'm taking it away completely. Um, I will say I'm a Someone's gonna hold this against me. I will say that I'm a big fan of using um, hit training that's similar to um, cross training, the whole CrossFit type style, you know, mm-hmm. where we have compound lifts that we're doing for time, and uh, not necessarily for time. I usually have it done for uh, like a circuit. So we'll say, okay, we're gonna do thrusters we're gonna do 15 thrusters then we're gonna do 10 burpees then we're gonna sprint a 50 yard sprint we're gonna jog back and then we're gonna do some overhead work or something like that some overhead Mm -hmm. presses whatever something of that sort and i'll do it for okay we're gonna do 10 rounds of it or five rounds of it or four rounds whatever i choose i don't really like to do it for time so i don't i'd never ever tell any of my athletes to actually record times or anything like that just because you know as well as I do, as soon as you start trying to get through doing it as fast as you can, that's where injuries start happening. That's one thing yep. that I've always hated about that stuff. People start neglecting form. Yeah, they neglect form just to try to get through through the workout. That's the other thing too, is I don't give them weights. Like I know that a lot of the um, you know, workout of the days that you see out there, they'll say, Okay, this is the female weight, this is the male weight, we're doing this circuit here for time. Post mm-hmm. your times up. And I'm like, dude, you can't do that though, man. It depends on the athlete. Because I sit there and I say, okay, 135 pounds for thrusters. I got a guy that's, you know, much smaller or not very strong who's struggling through it, can barely get through it. And then I got another guy who walks through it like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. 135 pounds, that's easy, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're not even getting a good workout out of it. I said the workout word. They're not, (laughs) you know, so their heart rate's not getting jacked up or anything like that. They're just kind of doing the motions. So I kind of tell the athletes just, do your pick your weights. We're gonna get through the entire work. Don't worry about your time or anything like that. The only thing that I want them to keep track of for time is your rest time. So I'll say sixty seconds of rest. So once you're done, you time that sixty seconds of rest and then get back out there. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> so 
for the military, um, you said that you have a, your annual test and everything. What about the actual job itself? How physical? I know, I know it depends on like the kind of what, what role you're in and everything yeah. like that. But what would you say, um, you know, even for like basic training and stuff like that, what, what kind of role, what kind of conditioning should someone have to be able to get through as far as like for basic training, I mean, it's really, I've seen people come in and run an eight minute mile. I've seen people come in and run a 12 minute mile. Mm-hmm. I mean, keep in mind, we still have to run a mile and a half, but it's like, they're, they're very, varied between like where they are. So it's, you're spending, I think it's eight weeks at that point for basic training right now. So I'm not really too concerned for those people that come in because it's two weeks. You're doing PT three times a week, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So three or four times a week. So you're going to get that exposure and your your cardiovascular is going to go up. Like I think I ran my mile in 10 minutes when I went in. So looking at looking at a uh, someone who's you know either deployed or in a combat uh, position, would you say that they're kind of for lack of a better term, are screwed as far as powerlifting goes. You think they could still do powerlifting? Oh yeah, in a deployed location, one hundred percent, and still be able to do their functions and their job and yeah. everything. Okay, one hundred percent. Yeah, okay. yeah, and which in that point, I think it also depends on you know, like you said, what what are your job? What is your job? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're gonna do conditioning, I very wholeheartedly believe it should be con- like conditioning that is geared towards whatever you're doing. So like. For your instance, firefighter and stuff, it's like, you know, maybe a sandbag carry is a really good one for you. Yeah. Because you're going to be pulling people out of fires. Right. So why not work in that capacity? Whereas, like, if we have uh, what we call dirt boys or, you know, like our construction guys in the Air Force and whatnot, it's like, cool, why don't we have them, you know, swing sledgehammers and carry things and so functional, do farmers. Functional yeah. fitness type it's training. Like, yeah. I like that too. So it's not necessarily we're not looking to like you said like necessarily increase weight or anything, but we are looking to just increase that capacity. Yeah, and, and like you said, it kind of goes back to the goals, mm-hmm. the goals of what, what you're doing. So for, for speaking of for example, for a firefighter, you look at our our work load and and what we're expected to do for you know on a structure fire, and we're basically similar to police. We need short bursts of energy. We don't need, you know, I, if I have a guy that can go run a marathon, great. But we're not doing mm-hmm. a, a long period, low intensity uh, physical job for four hours straight. That's, exactly. not, that's not what we're doing. You know, you look at even our air tanks. We have, you know, one, one hour air tanks or 45 minute bottles and everything. But in reality, when you're actually under stress and you're actually utilizing that bottle, you're looking at 15 to 25 minutes of work time. And yep. you're going to burn through that bottle and then you're out and then you have to go recycle, get a new bottle and then you can go back in. So when we're training our guys for, especially for conditioning wise, those, those high intensity interval training exercises that are like functional fitness type things, doing that for a 25, 30 minute period is absolutely ideal. It matches what we're doing, you know? And like you said too, is it for firefighting strength is key you have to have that strength mm. i mean i can like i said i can have guys that can run a marathon that can you know ride a bike for 150 miles straight those guys are usually also a lot smaller yep. and a lot weaker when it comes to physical strength they have fantastic endurance but 
the job doesn't need fantastic endurance. The job needs short bursts of strength to be able to pull someone out. Exactly. To, to, and other things too, to be able to pull someone out, to be able to uh, you know, climb a ladder with a chainsaw on your back and all the other stuff that you have, to be able to pull hose line, to be able to throw ladders. There's, there's so many different things that we have to do that, that involve strength. Mm-hmm. So that's why, again, too, I like having, because I have a lot of firefighters that I, that I train, that I uh, coach, I like to have them doing some sort of functional fitness that involves weightlifting as part of the conditioning training. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I speak for probably almost everyone. I'd rather have somebody who can't run a mile in 10 minutes to pull me out of fire that can, <laughs> you know, lift 300 pounds compared to somebody who can run a mile in or four miles without stopping or whatever, yeah. but can't lift 200 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Great. They can run around and chicken with their head cut off <laughs> exactly. they pulling you out. Exactly. I'll be carrying him out. So the next aspect of our, of our conditioning and is another goal. Um, but it's kind of one that we have to have this goal with all of our other goals. So, I mean, we have our, we have our mm-hmm. going back to like, we were talking about, uh, I don't remember what podcast it was, what episode it was. We were talking about our short terms and our long terms, our short term goals. We set, okay, I want to have a 700 pound squat, which, you know, you're an asshole and we'll probably have <laughs> at the next meet. But, uh, that's a short term goal. When you look at our long term goals, you know, the majority of our long-term goals when it comes to physical fitness is always the same. And that's health and, you know, uh, lengthening our life span. Yeah. Yeah. So conditioning wise, that's kind of key. You kind of have to have that, right? Mm-hmm. So increasing our cardiovascular health for the long term. I know you said it was a, what was, what was the term you used? A low, low grade or low whatever um, hit training mm-hmm. for, for weightlifting. Uh, would you say that increases your, your cardiovascular health though? Yeah. I would say it increases the cardiovascular health to a degree. Like mm-hmm. like we've talked about. It's like it, it's dependent on your exposure. Like if we're, if we're strictly talking just about like the everyday person and their cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. I mean that can be as simple as just, you know, hit. 6,000 steps in a day or hit eight, eight or 10,000 steps in a day. Right. And that's cardiovascular health for them. Just building so, up that, just getting the heart rate up. Exactly. Getting out moving and everything. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, I will say that, uh, so I, I get a, a physical every year and uh, it's pretty, a pretty, I don't want to say invasive, but pretty comprehensive <laughs> physical. <laughs> I'm not that old yet. I'm not getting the prostate exam. You're not getting the rubber globe yet? No, no, no. No, I had that, but no, not, not on a regular basis. So it, it's a comprehensive physical, though. You know, they go through, they do a stress test on us. They use, um, do the sonogram of, you know, your uh, all your major organs, your thyroid mm-hmm. and everything like that. Uh, blood work, all that good stuff. And I will say that with pretty minimal conditioning that I do other than uh, weight training and powerlifting... I mean, again, it comes down to the kind of conditioning that you're doing. When I go and do the burn building at the drill yard, I'm in, you know, 300 degree temperatures uh, that are like throughout 3, 350 at the three foot mark Mm. in my gear for extended periods of time, doing work, dragging stuff, going all that while, you know, in in a hot environment and everything like that. It definitely gets my heart rate spiked and it stays spiked. You know, I'll I'll have a fever for probably 
six to ten hours after I leave the drill yard because my temperature is elevated and it stays elevated, which is something that's pretty common with uh, with like endurance athletes. So I do things like that that are kind of conditioning based, but otherwise I'm not I'm not doing much conditioning other than training. And every year I've gone to my physical, it's gotten better and better. My blood gets better and better. My my blood work, my uh, you know the triglycerides and your mm-hmm. uh, your uh, cholesterol and everything like that has gotten better. Um, when we do the stress test, I'm I'm looking at a solid twelve to fifteen minutes to get my heart rate up to the the ninety percentile range, which is where they want you to be to be able to even take that EKG during the stress test. Yep. And uh, it, like I said, it gets it gets longer and longer every year. So obviously something's going right you know exactly it's like the it's that graded exposure that we were talking about too Mm -hmm. it's like you've spent how how many years have you been in the fire department 17 exactly you spent 17 years doing this you've got 17 years worth of exposure whereas if i went out there and i was out there for an hour and Mm -hmm. gear and in front of a 350 degree fire for just an hour i'd be wiped out yeah yeah that builds the acclimation exactly but with that being said, I will also say that I know, I mean, I've read, you've read studies, you've read people's experiences and everything like that. And when we look at powerlifting specifically and bracing ourselves, keeping that breath tight so that we don't lose the tightness when we're doing a max effort lift, when we're doing any type of heavy lifting, it jacks our heart rate up and it jacks our mm-hmm. blood pressure up to oh, massive, yeah. massive levels. I mean, we see it all the time with, with, the bigger power lifters, especially with geared lifters, where you know they uh, they blow a leak. Yep. They'll be doing a squat, and all of a sudden, blood starts pouring out of their nose. You know, and that's a common thing. Now, when that occurs, though, the amount of stress that's on your heart from your blood pressure being so high, you can start having issues with like you know leaky valves and regurge and everything like that. Um, you can easily push yourself into having a hemorrhagic stroke or anything. Yeah, I've seen. A couple of people that have probably been close to that. I think I was watching uh, Daniel Tanario uh, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And it looked like he was about to have a stroke just from like the amount of pressure he was having. So, oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw that yeah. one on Instagram where he's like started convulsing pretty yeah. much. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, the shakes. Yeah. So it's always geared lifters that have the, uh, I know, right? the, uh, the CNS shakes there. So, would you say there's a balance that needs to be met? I mean, what, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? When we're talking about health aspect versus being the strongest, you know? I mean, at some point, we're going to have to make a trade-off. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't matter what we do. It's like, you want to be the strongest, you're not going to be the healthiest. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's a given fact, and I think most of us have accepted that, but I think some people still need to realize that, like... If you want to be the strongest that you can ever be, you are not going to be the healthiest you can ever be. So that's like first and foremost, understand that. But as far as that, I think it's, I think it probably goes back to that graded exposure. Mm -hmm. So I think the longer we spend in times like that, you know, granted when we first start learning how to brace and stuff, we probably can't hold it that efficiently for that long. Right. And as we start increasing that skill capacity, we start spending longer and longer in that time zone. It's like, how long can you brace now that before you feel like you're about to pass out versus solid quarter of a second. (laughs) But it's like when we, when we start building that capacity for that, it's like we start increasing 
the amount of stress we can handle within that zone. So you think it's an adaptation? Yeah. Your body's able to acclimate itself. And yeah, adapt just like we do the, uh, the stresses of with it. programming. It's like we're adapting to the stresses we're putting through weight and through the amount of repetitions and stuff that we're doing. So it's like if we can spend more time in that. I always tell people like when they learn how to brace and stuff, this is a skill and you need to practice it. Like it's not just something that you do with so, weights. So not. Not having any clinical data to back it up or anything, but just you know, yeah, this is purely spitballing here. Would you say that when you have uh, higher higher bursts of strength growth at a younger age and like at a quicker time frame, that it could be actually more detrimental than to gaining the same amount of strength over say? So, for example, I have a guy who's twenty one years old and he started powerlifting when he was say eighteen. So, in a three year span. He's gone from, you know, not not squatting or deadlifting at all to now he's up over seven, eight hundred pounds in a three year span. Would you say that, that could be more detrimental to the body than someone who has the exact same numbers but built those numbers up over say 10, 15 years? I think it depends on the person, which I keep saying it depends. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of questions where that is the answer. I think it depends on what was their starting strength when they started? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, did they start at 100 pounds? Because so, it's probably better to take that, that longer route, build up that tendon strength with it as well. Or did you have somebody who was, you know, like Jim, who was just f- stupid farm strong? Yeah. Like, well, he's another one. Though. I mean, he, he, he started out when he was young. Exactly. And everything like that. He's, he's built up over a long period of time. Yeah. And, that, I mean, that's a, that's a, I think that's another good question to ask, especially when it comes to overall health when you look at you know not necessarily just tendon strength but you're also looking at heart strength and everything mm-hmm. like you said if your body's able to adapt over time based on the amount of of you know time that you have under that load whether it be an actual physical weight load or just a stressor on the body if your mm-hmm. body's able to adapt to it over time you're going to be better suited later in life by taking a longer time but with that said do you know anyone on earth that was like, oh yeah, I could pull seven hundred, but I'm not going to because I want to, I want to slow it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Exactly. Because exactly. you're gonna keep There's on going. There's nobody in this world who, you know, if powerlifting is your sport, yeah, you're looking to put the most amount of kilos that you can put on a bar mm-hmm. and move it from point A to point B back to point A and yeah. do zero amount of work, but whatever. But at the same time, it's like, how much? how much time are you putting into the foundational aspects of that training? It's like, yeah, your mobility and stability. Well, not even that. It's like, you see all these, uh, these younger kids I've seen. This is purely just, you know, looking on Instagram and looking at, uh, different people who I've seen either in the gym or, you know, throughout high school and whatnot. The guys that are always been super, super strong. have gotten super strong in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. often have some kind of like compensation pattern. Right. So whether it be a hip shift or, you know, on the bench press, I've seen it quite often in high school, like some of the guys that benched, you know, 300 plus pounds, you know, one arm was a chicken wing arm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. instead mean, of fixing the, uh, the, like you said, fixing the foundation, they're mm-hmm. just trying to push through to go stronger and stronger. And which, and that, be, and that, I believe wholeheartedly falls back on coach at that point. Like, yeah, what they're, because they haven't do, brought them back and said do. like, Hey, your technique sucks. Let's yeah. work on that. I agree. Like, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, just ran, like I said, spitball and mm. hypothetical, you know. Um, but 
you look at you look at even like bodybuilders and stuff and, and not to go down the path of uh, enhanced lifting versus not enhanced lifting but a lot of bodybuilders when they're when they're you know start using steroids and everything and they start having that quick quick muscle recovery mm-hmm. the tendons aren't recovering as fast as the muscles are so a lot of times when they have that really explosive growth in their size and everything and their strength that comes with it they start having tears mm-hmm. start occurring you start tearing your bicep you start tearing quads they start tearing all these different muscles rip their pec off their you know shoulder <laughs> because of the fact that like you said the actual tendon and the joint and everything that's not acclimated to that that yeah load exactly man. you need that graded exposure over time to strengthen those tendons they're not going to grow as fast as or they're not going to become as resilient as fast as a muscle would so so let's switch gears then and look at going back to again the goal wise because I, I like this whole thing so when we talk about our goal we say our goal is being the strongest is well, i want to be the strongest and you said we already kind of said that conditioning does have a place in there mm-hmm. how much of a place do you think it has and becoming the strongest mm-hmm. if your goal is specifically like competitive powerlifting, i think how we've already talked about it like depending on your training in the off-season aspects of it, it's important. Okay. So if we look at our goal is just overall health. I mean, if your goal is overall health, then just... Does powerlifting fit into that? I still think it does. Yeah. So, I mean, with powerlifting, you have the heavier weights mm-hmm. that you're going to get into and whatnot, and that's going to help you retain bone density, muscle mass as you continue to age. You know, a lot of people, as they continue to age, it's like they can't recover as much... So they still need that higher exposure to heavier weights. Yeah, actually, I'm glad you said that too about bone density because when we talk about conditioning, it's not necessarily just our cardiovascular mm-hmm. health and our strength of our muscles. We also have our musculoskeletal system is skeletal. So you look at the uh, the elderly who are you know breaking hips and and falling down exactly. and, and breaking bones all the time, and that's something that could be aided by uh, by strength training by lifting mm-hmm. heavy weights. So. I'm very I'm very adamant like if you can get somebody even if they're just gin pop mm-hmm. get them to a point where they can squat where they can deadlift where they can bench press deadlift doesn't have to be with a bar you know you can do it with dumbbells you can do an RDL it's still a form of deadlift just some kind of deadlift some even if it's a trap bar right like you're doing them a great service so I mean you're teaching them how to actually pick things up at that point too but pick things up and put them down exactly that's all you do <laughs> but with that, we're getting into a completely different topic than what we're... So, our powerlifting goal, conditioning, is a small part of it. Smallish part of it. <laughs> but in our overall health goal, conditioning and strength training, both are huge aspects of it. Yeah, yeah. With that, though, the one thing I would... We've kind of already touched on a little bit. It was like, you cannot be the strongest person in the world... And be the fittest person in the world, unless you're Matt Fraser. You know, well, but he's retired. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, he retired. Not even him, though. He retired. So Went out on top. 2020, uh, <laughs> 2020 man's fit or fittest man on the planet, and now he's I'm done. Yeah. Five years running. <laughs> <laughs> but our, our luck hope is moving to powerlifting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. But at the same point, though, it's like you look at him. Is he lifting, you know, 
maximal amount of weights that he could? No. Not even close. Yeah, I think it depends on the athlete, too. I know, well, a lot yeah. of, I know a lot of people who compete in the CrossFit games who rarely do functional fitness training. <laughs> They're doing a lot more strength training, mm-hmm. and it kind of just plays into that. And, and the stronger you are, the, the more capable you um, are. In the, uh, his in name's the, Ian. I don't remember what his last name is, but down at Hybrid. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Or down at Fortitude now. Mm-hmm. So He's a good example of one of them. Carlos Reyes is another one, too. Yeah. Very high-functioning firefighter like you. And a very high-functioning powerlifter as well. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And and like you said, you can't be the best at everything. There's going to be have to be some give and take. So for those that kind of ask the question about how we condition for the military or the fire service or the police and compete at a competitive level. That's kind of stupid. But yeah, compete at a competitive level for powerlifting. It's, it's kind of a give and take. 100%. You're, you're only going to get, if, if your career is something that's a physical career, you need to focus on that. That's what makes the money. Let's exactly. Honest. We're None not making us, money powerlifting. We're not going to be power, professional powerlifters. No. There's a handful of people in the world that are able to, and even then, how much are they really making? They're not you making still have your career. like thou- hundreds of thousands off right. powerlifting itself. So they the, have other that, aspects. That yeah. compromise has to be that of, okay, my my living, how I make a living, how I put food on the table, support myself and my family needs to be number one. And then powerlifting can be, we'll build up as high as we can get it, mm-hmm. but still meeting the demands of being able to work and do your job. Yeah. Like if I could paint a picture of how like conditioning and cardiovascular plays a, a plays a role within like powerlifting and whatnot. It's like, say you have a fitness level of like one out of 10 mm-hmm. and you're going, you know, through your off season and you raise that to a three and then you get to the peak, it's probably going to drop back down to maybe like a two or so, mm-hmm. but then you hit that meet and then you come back to the GPP, the, the off season. And then now you're looking at, well, cool. I'm not at a one anymore. I'm at a yeah. two now. So, if so you're building two to a four. It's exactly. Time, and then come back and then come back down. It. And and it's exactly like that. It's like the same thing we do with our training. So if that's the only takeaway people get from that, like that's just realize that it's like, it's a give and take with that. And then of course the other takeaway for this entire episode is that um, cardio sucks. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at least steady state cardio sucks. Stupid. And anything over a set of five is cardio. Don't let your coaches fool you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, uh, that's the end of episode five for us. Um, if you guys have any comments, questions, suggestions, any topics that you guys want to hear, reach out to us on uh, Instagram uh, through Recruit Strength or send us an email, recruitstrengthoutlook.com. Otherwise, until next time. Peace, guys. See y'all later.